Wheeling Presley and Van Ho Funeral Homes have been serving Quad City families and veterans for over 100 years. Wheeland Presley is located in Rock Island, Milan, Reynolds, and Van Ho in East Moline, proudly supporting WQPT. Alternatives is a proud supporter of WQPT and has been serving our community for 40 years. Alternatives provides professional guidance to maintain independence and quality of life for older adults and adults with disabilities. Books under siege. Librarians under scrutiny for the decisions they make in the cities. Banned Books Week was held this month across the nation, but the issue of banned books is something librarians face every week. From the start of the year until the end of August, the American Library Association's Office for Intellectual Freedom reported just under 700 attempts to censor library materials and documented 1,900 unique titles that were being challenged. We talked with the head of the Western Illinois University Quad Cities Library, Senior Library Specialist Brittany Pate, and Moline Public Library Coordinator of Children and Young Adult Services, Jan LaRoche, about the challenges they face and the books being banned. So this is the month when we had Banned Books Week, um, and you work more at the university setting, so you really haven't seen it that much. But you're also uh, cognizant of the uh, new Illinois state law, and how does that impact you? Uh, we're protected from um, any books being banned. Period. Clear and simple. Jan, Moline Library, I mean, you fall under that as well. Yes, yes. This uh, new bill requires libraries to either adopt the um, American Library Association's Bill of Rights or to create their own policy for dealing with, with challenges. And it, it doesn't say that there can't be challenges or that we can't reconsider a book. It just says that it must be done without political or doctrinal bias. That's a lot of gray area. It is. It is. So how do you deal with that? I mean, would you rather see it black and white or is that virtually impossible? I'd say that's virtually impossible. And especially public libraries are really meant to reflect their community's needs. And that varies you know, with each community. Well, Brittany, I mean, you have a love of books. I mean, you got into this for a reason, to, to be in libraries. Is it heartbreaking at all when you hear about some of the challenges that libraries are facing right now? Uh, yes. Tell me why. I mean, why is it tough for a person who, who's in love with books and libraries? Um, it's just any information being kept from the public, um, especially the books that are being banned. Um, it seems more prejudice than anything because of the types of books yeah and, and your understanding is what are the types of books i mean a lot of times we're being told it's it's books dealing with uh, african-american culture um or having to do with uh, lgbtq issues in particular yeah i think it was like 58 percent um was lgbtq um i can't remember the other number african-american yeah. but yeah it's it's a really large amount and in its totality, Jan, it, it, it has an impact. I mean, a bit of a chilling impact, does it not, for libraries? Absolutely. Um, we 
you know, we strive to be completely inclusive. And if we aren't allowed to have books on our shelves that look like the people that are using our shelves, we are not able to do our jobs and we are not serving that particular part of our community. Well, let's talk about um, uh, books themselves because books are basically ideas on paper. And sometimes the ideas are controversial and sometimes the ideas are actually ahead of their time. I mean, we've seen that time and again. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, is that is it hard to defend some types of books only because, I mean, there's books in there that you don't agree with? Um, I don't know if there are really. Well, let's talk a little bit about the types of books that are being banned right now, because okay. we've been seeing a lot of books that have to do with LGBTQ issues, um, as well as uh, books having to do with African-American issues. Does that surprise you that it's that area of focus? No, not at all. Um one thing that I that I have found to be true is that um, a lot of these book bans are not coming from an individual who is concerned about what their particular child is reading. They are backed by organizations. Um, in fact, um, in the first part of this year, the American Library Association recorded that 11 different states had challenges that were had a list of 100 or more books. So that's not just a particular book that these are people that are coming in with a whole list of books that mm -hmm. they want to see banned. Well, and it's kind of the same books that you're seeing over and over yes. again that are being challenged. Yes. Can you give me an idea on some of the books that are being challenged? I mean, what's one title that that sticks out to you? The number one banned book right now is Gender Queer, which is a graphical memoir by Maya Kabobi about just her growing up, not feeling one way or the other, and her difficulties of trying to figure out who and what she was and people don't like that well and as you said it's, it's a graphic novel mm -hmm. and so i think uh, how often do challenges occur where you just hear those two words and you're opposed to it not really knowing what's between the covers um oh i guess it depends on if people know what a graphic novel is well, that's exactly what i mean yes yes um yeah graphic novel just means that there's pictures in it you know that it's told in a comic format um, but yes, there is still a lot of bias against comics and graphic novels, um, and I'm not sure why. Yeah. Well, as, as a library specialist, I mean, do, do you have this fear that if we have more of these challenges, more of these book bans, that it just hurts society as, 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 uh, as a whole? Yes, absolutely. Or just keeping information I don't think is ever good. Yeah. yeah. Um, some of it's like, one of them was, it's called It's Normal. And it talks about kids growing up and um, dealing dealing with urges they might start to get and their body. And it's just, it's, it seems very um, repressed. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's supposed to be instructive rather than, you know, uh, 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 a lot of people think that it is fostering an idea rather than perhaps guiding a person through a period of their time. Absolutely. Right. I think um, there's just a lot of fear out there, whether it's legitimate or not, um, that that these books are causing children to be someone that they're not um, or do things that they wouldn't normally do. And I, I agree with Brittany. I think it's actually the complete opposite. The more that pe children especially are able to read about different ideas and possibilities, just the stronger they become and the better they are 
able to make their own decisions. Well, I confident, yes. More confident people, more information can create more confidence is basically what we're looking at. But we're also looking at, I mean, it's not just graphic novels. It's not just LGBTQ issues. I mean, we're still seeing books like 1984 that are on the list. Um, we're seeing some some books that are considered classics. Um, is, is Do you feel the pressure in Moline? Have you ever, because you've been at this for 20 some years, to to take some of these books off the shelves or, and I'm talking about the classics, or restrict who can get to them? No. Um, I think I might have dealt with two formal challenges in the entire time I've been there. And I know we haven't had one in at least the last eight years that um, our current um, director has been in charge. Um, generally, when people have a concern, we talk with them first. And a lot of times they just want to have their concerns heard. Or once we explain the process and why we you know, have that particular book there, a lot of times that's all that they need. Mm -hmm. More of a reassurance? Yes. So tell me what is the process then? Let's let's say there's there's a book title that I'm concerned about. What is the formal process for a challenge? If uh, if you have talked with us and you're not satisfied, there is a patron's request for reconsideration of materials. All right. Which is part of our collection development policy, and our collection development policy really guides how we do this. Um, the patron would fill out the form, and then there would be a committee um, that would review the book look at professional reviews, um, any awards that it's won, things like that, and come back with a decision. And um, if the patron doesn't agree with that decision, it would go to the library board. But right in our um, board, the policy that we have, it says that any decisions that are made cannot be out of any one person's like political or ideological or you know moral beliefs. It has to be what does this book fit for our community? Does it surprise you at all when you hear that more libraries are getting challenges? We have had more challenges of books and titles this year than last year, which was more than the year before, more than the year before. I mean, like I said, you enjoyed libraries, you enjoy books. Does it at all surprise you or, or disturb you that you're seeing more and more challenges? I, no, it doesn't surprise me. It is disturbing. Um, it, it just kind of seems like we've been headed that way for a while, tension-wise, you know, in society in general. Just it feels like tension rising, and I don't necessarily know why, but um, no, I'm not surprised. Well, as you were pointing out, it's also seemingly more organized. It's, it's like there is a list of books. There are certain groups that, that, that send this out and say, this is how you should challenge a, 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 a book or a title or a whole lot more. I mean, it just seems more organized, doesn't it? And that's what we're seeing nationally, but not necessarily locally. Correct. Yeah. Why? Why do you think that we're not seeing more challenges locally? Um, maybe we're just lucky. I I think that the Quad Cities is a just a really great and open place. Um, I I uh, hoping that it stays that way, and I am very glad that we do now have this new law that you know, helps protect us to protect our books. Um, but I fear that it could change, and I worry especially about the Iowa side of the library. And that's where I was going to go, is that when you look at the Iowa side, it is very different. And you talk to people with the Davenport Library. You talk with people that are colleagues of yours on the other side. 
although it is mostly centered towards schools and school-aged children, does it have an impact then in the public library and the community libraries throughout the states? It it does. I think um, when the school is saying there's these books that you that we can't have, then the parents um, or community members get their get an idea that it's not just this isn't appropriate for the school, but that these books are bad, inherently bad, and that can spill over to the public libraries. And education is so important when it comes to books. I mean, mm -hmm. you really are supposedly learning something from them. It's the goal. That is the goal. <laughs> Even a picture book. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what we're seeing when we're seeing 1,477 instances of school book bans in schools in the first half of the last school year. That seems like an awful lot of titles. It is. It is. It's, it's astronomical, and it's growing every year. Um, and I am not really sure, because I don't work in a school library, if these are coming from parents and community members or if it's coming from the school board. Um, I know that a lot of school libraries around the country are trying to be proactive when these laws are passed. Um, they don't want to get into trouble, so they're scouring their, their shelves for any books that might be in violation of this law, which is very nebulous and, you know, hard hard to define. And we're seeing in some ways that, that librarians are in charge of actually, as you said, scrubbing the shelves um, as opposed to somebody coming forward and saying, we don't want this book. That's a unique place for librarians to be in. I mean, what, what do you do to, as far as uh, keeping an eye on what's on the shelves of Western Illinois University Quad City Campus Library? Because it's not like any other library. It really is a lot of textbooks and, and required reading from professors. So you don't really face that that much. No, not at all. Um, we usually consult with um, the faculty and staff and students on um, what their interests are, what the curriculum is, uh, and we, we go about it that way. Yeah, because it, it's, it's more of a learning institute, and, and, and like we were saying, it's, it's for ancillary reading for a classroom and such. Not the same for you because anybody can walk in with a library card and, and order something. So so does it add an extra burden for you in order to even stock a shelf with a new book? Sometimes. Um, I, I think there have been times when we have considered a title that we knew might be controversial and um, just kind of proactively gone through that challenge process of of knowing why we are putting it on the shelf. You know, if a book has won an award um, or been highly recommended, even if it's controversial, there's a reason for that. And that reason is why we're putting it on our shelf. Tell me about some of the, because we were talking earlier about the classics. Um, and, and you know that they're like some of the really oldest books in the world sometimes are challenged. I mean, is it a constant, because mores change, of course, mm -hmm. but is it a constant challenge to keep up on on what books are acceptable or or you don't walk in on Monday going, oh, I wonder which books they're going to complain about? No, I think the the classics are kind of timeless. Um, um, it's somewhat protected. Huckleberry Finn is always going Excellent to example, be. right. Um, Toni Morrison and James Baldwin will always appear on the top lists of challenged books. Um, the fact that they both happen to be African-American, I don't know if that means anything or not. Mm. But it's, you know, it, those classics have 
I think they've they've already stood the test of time and just these challenges we've been through already. And so I don't feel like we really need to keep trying to defend them. But what we've seen time and again is in some of these books is that it, it, they're not being judged by the totality of the book, but certain sections of it. Um, is that pretty much what you've seen as well? Yes. In fact, the very first question on our request for reconsideration is, have you read the entire book? <laughs> um, and, in, and again, in our collection development policy, when it refers to um, the decision of whether or not to remove a book, um, it specifically says that the book must be evaluated as a whole, not as any individual part or scene or word. As a patron of the library, I mean, you walk into a library and you expect to be able to access virtually anything that you'd want. Um, and and uh, do you think that in so many ways libraries should be somewhat, how do I say, the self-policing? In other words, the, the customer should be able to find what they want um, as opposed to dictating where a customer should go? Um, I'm not quite sure. How, how, how open should a library be? Completely. Why is that? Um, inclusivity. Um, well, there's all different kinds of people all over the world, and they should all be represented. Um, and there's all kinds of experiences in life. Some of them are great, uh, but we should be able to talk about them. Talk about all of them, yeah. Now, your, your job in particular is with children and young adults. So you are on that cutting edge of mm -hmm. determining what should go in one department and what should go in the adult department. Mm -hmm. What's the criteria? Um, generally, uh, the publisher of the book and the reviewers of the books have already said this is aimed at this age grade or appropriate for this. And most of the time, we just go with that. Um, if there is some overlap, um, like we have this new collection that's the tween collection that is like for middle school students. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's, you know, is this a little too upper level to go there? Or is it, you know, should it go into the young adult instead of the tween? Or um, I we talk with the, the graphic novel um, selector will often ask, like, this is kind of, it's it says it's for teens, but it's a little risque. Where should it go? And sometimes, sometimes we just end up putting it in both areas. Yeah. Well, and, and out of curiosity, I mean, just because you are, um, let's say, 14, I mean, you can walk into the adult section. The, the public library, our public library at least, has absolutely no restrictions on what you can check out. So what is the point of, of a, a, a children's section? Um, is it more for parents to say you would go there? Because uh, you can basically go anywhere. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's set up for browsing. Um, and that was why we recently created this tween section is because you'd have children who were too old for Captain Underpants, but that's what they would gravitate to because it was there. So now it's easier for the children and their caregivers to find things that are going to be more their direct interest. But people can still go over the children's, I still read picture books, so <laughs> there's no restrictions there. Well, and let's talk about the popularity of libraries because that's been a huge issue in itself is that just getting people into the door has been difficult. Um, and, and, and anything that drives people away from books, I mean, that's got to be tough to your spirit. I mean, you want you want people to open every book. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just to have that full, rich experience. Mm -hmm. So so how do you deal with the two different things? Is that you want your library to be open, but you also want to be somewhat restrictive? I don't think we want to be restrictive. Um, I think that the way that we sort things is is for the ease of patrons. I mean, 
the fact that we have a children's section is really no different than the fact that we have a mystery section. It just makes it easier to find the things that you're interested in. Where do we see the future of libraries? I mean, we have seen Moline go from the old uh, Carnegie Library in downtown to, you know, the, the, I still call it the new library. I know it's been around and it's been expanded as well. It's, it's more of a, uh, we talk about sometimes it's a coffee shop uh, because people feel comfortable. Is that really the future for libraries? I mean, is that what we see that uh, is going to be happening in the years to come? I absolutely think so. Um, I think libraries are even more in demand now than, than in the past uh, because they're not just the books. But they're also, you know, we have people that need to come in and use our computers. We have people that need, you know, technical help. And we're people that need help navigating medical advice. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're able to get them to those resources that they need. Um, and, and, and physical books aren't going away either. There's so many people that read ebooks, but so many that say they just want to hold a book in their hand. Right. So, so what do you see for the future of libraries then? I see it being pretty much the same. I think we'll always be there. I think the role of the library has shifted. Um, we're a lot more uh, community service oriented um, than maybe we used to. We partner with a lot of places now to, you know, give so that we can extend those services beyond what we offer ourselves. And we were talking earlier about even at Western, um, you had a Harry Potter event. I mean, you had um, kids that were coming here that weren't college students necessarily. I mean, libraries, the Western Library is meant also to be a community gathering place? Yes. Yeah. And, and how, do you, how, do you, how do you promote that? How do you extend your open arms to the community? Um, we put it all over Facebook's, um, the WIU Quad Cities Facebook, libraries Facebook. We put flyers all over town. Um, we talked to principals at schools, asked them to put flyers up. Um, yeah. And it is the best way to get the word out. And, and, and for you, Moline Library, I mean, it's been a community service for so long. So you're seeing the future as being um, an essential part of the community. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Um, we, uh, we see a lot of new citizens who come here um, and they don't know what a library is. They don't know that it's free. And we, you know, we attend the naturalization ceremony to give them that information. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people are amazed to find that we um, process passport applications and offer notary service. Um, so there's just, you know, we're definitely like the hub of the community. And it adds to quality of life? Absolutely, yes. Um, so, and, and we talk about the fact that Moline being in more of a metropolitan area, it's hard for libraries to operate in smaller communities. Um, the expense, uh, the upkeep, I and mean, just beyond the books, the lighting um, and the heat. Um, do you worry about the small communities and the libraries that they have? Or are the partnerships that are going on hopefully sustaining them? I think that small libraries are, are being sustained um, pretty well. And the fact that we have these systems where we can borrow materials across hundreds of libraries, you know, helps them to be able to offer the newest and best and most expensive books, even if they don't own them. Yeah. Our thanks to Western Illinois University Quad City Senior Library Specialist Brittany Pate and Moline Public Library Coordinator of Children and Young Adult Services, Jan LaRoche. Murray Lee is a singer, songwriter, and acoustic guitarist who heads the band 
Murray Lee and the Sons of Hades, but he's been part of a number of area bands and plays a number of different instruments. So we invited him to take the stage to the Black Box Theater in Moline to perform one of his originals. Here's Murray Lee with Claustrophobic. Flipping through a news article about our brains, their size and their shape, our genetics. Oh, what an awful trick! I was reading chapters in a people's history of the United States. Oh, what an awful place to be. And I'm too poor to Murray Lee, with Claustrophobic, performed at Moline's Black Box Theater. On the air, on the radio, on the web, on your mobile device, and streaming on your computer, thanks for taking some time to join us as we talk about the issues on the cities. and Van Ho Funeral Homes have been serving Quad City families and veterans for over 100 years. Whelan Presley is located in Rock Island, Milan, Reynolds, and Van Ho in East Moline, proudly supporting WQPT. 
website. Alternatives is a proud supporter of WQPT and has been serving our community for 40 years. Alternatives provides professional guidance to maintain independence and quality of life for older adults and adults with disabilities.